I still see some progress here in my browser tab. Let's see. I see a notification. Okay. Yep, we're live. We're live. Okay. All right. Perfect. Hello, everybody. We, we managed to get over the technical uh, hurdles here, and we uh, are all set up. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the special bonus edition, bonus episode, um, our Facebook Live bonus episode is our second one we've ever done. Um, we have a special guest, um, Jotham Tai. He's the founder of Gapify. Um, this episode is sponsored by CPA.com, so thanks for making that possible. Um, we'll probably go maybe about 15, 20 minutes just interviewing Jotham. And then uh, Jotham will actually do a demo of Gapify, and then we'll open the floor up to uh, any Q&A. If you guys have Q&A along the way, please use the uh, comments to the right there, and we'll uh, break and I'll read those and get those um, asked along the way. Uh, without further ado, Blake, did you want to give a little wave? Sometimes people don't see our faces. so Yeah. Hi, everybody. Blake here. Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. And I want to start off with a correction. I don't know, David, in 76 episodes, have we done a correction? I don't think so. And that doesn't mean we haven't said anything wrong. Right. <laughs> but this time I, I made a big mistake. And that is actually the reason why we're having this Facebook Live today. Listeners of the show might recall our previous coverage of Gapify, and everybody I think who listens knows that I am a big fan of bots these days. And I've been on a somewhat of a one-person crusade uh, uh, in, in figuring out what is exactly is going on with bots in the accounting profession, the accounting industry, and tech, and trying to figure out how much of this is really AI and how much of this is human. And so here's my correction: is that I mistakenly lumped Gapify in with some other fake bot coverage. And Jotham reached out and corrected me on that, or at least explained what's really going on. So what happened is I was, I was browsing through Gapify's website. I came across your website, Jotham, and I was learning all about Gapify Allen. Allen is what you guys call your technology, your bot. Is that right? Yeah, technically yeah. we call it a process bot, but I'll elaborate later. Exactly. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And so... I also saw that you had job postings for an accountant or accountants in the Philippines. And I made a connection thinking, oh, this is another situation where we've got bots that are really human beings in the Philippines. But you reached out and you told me that that's actually for internal Gapify accounting and that there are zero human beings involved in any of your, what do you call it, process automation technology. So thank you for correcting that. And, uh, and I apologize for lumping you in incorrectly uh, with some other perhaps less upfront types of uh, enterprises. And so, yeah, we're lo I'm looking forward to learning more about Gapify. And so what do you think we should do, David? Like, uh, uh, let's, let's learn about uh, Jotham yeah. first. I mean, my understanding is you're an accountant first. So yeah. what's some of your background? I started my accounting career in 2002. I left KPMG in 2004 uh, to start one of the first Sarbanes-Oxley compliance practices in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, so what that really means is I went around um, and created flowcharts and documented controls and tested controls for uh, mid-market and enterprise companies. Uh, so I did that for several years, spent a couple of years uh, in industry, helped uh, build an accounting team and take it through its IPO, first 10K, 10Q filings, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, and then a few years ago, we wanted to, or I wanted to take all the knowledge that I consumed in, what is that, 15 years? I can't do the math right now. And create a comprehensive solution that can finally get us accounts out of spreadsheets. Uh, so that's how Gapify was, was born. 
So tell us more about Gapify and Allen and, and what, how are you helping to get accountants out of spreadsheets? What exactly does, does Allen do? Yeah, so Allen is a process bot or a process automation bot. And by the way, the terminologies you know, across the industry is not consistent yet. So yeah. and there, it definitely lends itself to a lot of confusion. Uh, for us, we're more concerned about what it actually does. So as a solution, we want to get um, skilled accountants and, and really high caliber accounts out of maintaining and rolling forward spreadsheets. Uh, and that's something that I saw over the years. Uh, in fact, I manage uh, accounting teams where um, you know, folks on my accounting team have asked me del- deliberately, I don't, I don't want to do invoice processing anymore. I think we can do more. But you know, back then without automation, I had to say, well, someone's going to have to process those 400, 500 invoices and mm-hmm. we don't have an automation solution. So sorry, you're going to have to do it. And, you know, that just kind of stuck with me for, for a while. And, you know, I think there are just so many high potential accounts out there. You know, we, we can do much better than just maintaining spreadsheets. And you know, that's that's how we kind of ran with the idea. So during that journey, did you like have your employees try some of the off the shelf remote process uh, automation tools that are out there? Or did they try to learn code themselves? Uh, you know, your whole department, like what was kind of that that journey? Yeah, I definitely can recall. Well, this is 2010, so this is when cloud was first emerging. Um, I remember walking into uh, my accounts payable leads desk and seeing stacks of paperwork with expense reports. And you know, I just said to myself, "There's, there's got to be a better way of doing this. Uh, you can't just you know, manually crunch pages and pages of expense reports on Excel and then entering them again into our accounting system, which at the, that time was intact." So we. You know, set off on a journey to find an expense report solution. Uh, we ended up going with Coupa. Yeah, that was when they were earlier. It's still an uphill battle. So we may have gotten that person away from processing expense reports manually. The severity of the problem is so huge in corporate accounting. And you know, obviously, Flowcast in the closed management area knows a lot about that. Even with these cloud solutions available to us, it's still not enough. And you know, we asked our customers, how much of your day do you spend on spreadsheets still? And they easily say, you know, half of our days, even though we have Avatax, even though we have Flowcast or Blackline or whatever solution you have. So, yeah, that's where the, the name Gapify really comes in. Like we want to fill the gap in between the, these systems. And I think a process bot is the best way to do that. So you mentioned, um, I, I think you mentioned mid-market, like mid-sized companies. You guys are interesting because Gapify is working primarily with corporate accounting teams, right? Automating the work of corporate accounting teams. And I know that uh, one of the examples on your website is uh, NetSuite, right? So NetSuite AP automation. Um, you've also got accounts receivable automation, collection follow-ups, escalations, over underpayment inquiries, custom invoice preparation. Like, how does that work exactly? What are you guys doing? You're, you're, yeah. Are you ha- are you getting set up as a user in NetSuite and then plugging that user account into your? How does it work behind the scenes? I'm curious to know. Yeah, so I'll just use an example. And you mentioned um, AP automation earlier. So for vendor setups is one of our more popular process bot uh, tasks that we automate. Uh, so by adding Allen as a user to your NetSuite so, environment. Sorry, just to just to pause for a second. So vendor setups, you mean I'm adding a new vendor into NetSuite? Yes. Okay, I need to collect all their information like address, tax ID number, all that stuff? Okay. W9. So in today's world, you usually have someone in AP emailing these vendors, sending an Excel spreadsheet, asking for that information. Uh, But with our bot, Alan, you just add him as a user to NetSuite. 
Uh, mm-hmm. we, we set rules. So we sit down with our customers and say, Hey, you know, when do you want Alan to start picking this up? And usually they'll, they'll say, okay, well, we want to assign new vendors that Alan should work on. So they'll check a box in that suite. Uh, and then we have a rule in the background that says, okay, if that box is checked, let's go out and reach out to that vendor and collect contact bank tax information. Not only that, but our customers tell us what kind of validations they want to apply. So in the U S Obviously, social security numbers or TINs are only nine, nine digits long, right? So we can bake in those you know types of rules and logic. So, how are you reaching out for the the information? Are you emailing the vendor? Yes. Okay, it's an email from the Gapify system or Allen, mm-hmm. um, and then vendors have can access the form through a web based link. Uh, so they don't need to register; they just go in and provide their information. Um, we can do validations to make sure that the vendors you know who they say they really are. Uh, and then once they complete their information, Alan can either update NetSuite with the information provided by the vendor or tee it up to someone in accounting or accounts payable to do additional reviews. Got it. That's that's interesting. I mean, it's not something that in a small business would you would think would take a long time or be worth developing a whole automation tool for. But I imagine with some of your customers, it can be a lot of vendors that yeah, absolutely. they're adding. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so some customers who have a couple hundred vendors and you know, others closer to a thousand. So yeah, it definitely varies, but it, the level of manual work that's required is all the same. And, and you guys can add new vendors, but also can you update existing vendor records that way? Yes. That's, that's really nice. So yeah. David, that reminds me of how with uh, like QuickBooks, when you needed to get my W9 information to, for a payment you had made to me, you had an, an email go out and, and I filled in a form and then it populated your accounts. Yeah. And that was just built into yeah. QuickBooks, right? It was built that was built. Yeah. But it's kind of amazing to me how little of that automation, and that's just one example, right? Like very yeah. niche. And that's actually just the beginning part, Blake, of the example. Yeah. So there's a lot more that goes on after that in terms of managing your relationship with vendors. Uh, well, even with vendor onboarding itself. So we build in roles that say, okay, if the vendor is a cloud provider, uh, tee up another form or send a message to IT and security to go through the due diligence process. So we really string a lot of these mm-hmm. ifs. And so there's no magical AI built into any of this. And, you know, I want to make sure that's perfectly clear. It's us just figuring out what the decision tree is and programming our bot to be able to follow that. Got so, it. And that's that's why you're not using any humans in any part of this process. This is all completely um, algorithmic or like you've programmed rules that and forms that connect these systems and make these processes happen. Right. So kind of at a high level, just because I'm kind of related to a lot of our audience, right, is super familiar to use Zapier, right? And so they could do an onboarding workflow. Hey, by the time I get a vendor, if I had a new vendor in QuickBooks or Xero, trigger this event in Zapier, and Zapier could kick off an email that hooks them up to a Google form to get that information, to bring it back all the way into QuickBooks. So like people could build this themselves. And I imagine at large companies, they could have somebody on their staff go and build stuff like this themselves. So if I'm understanding you, the value prop is, hey, instead of having your IT department involved in your whole accounting department, taking a year and a half to learn how to automate or build some custom process, they can almost, outsource is not the right word, but they're going to, they could just hire you and you provide it as a service. You're building remote process automation as a service in a weird kind of way. Exactly. And our future state definitely takes us to a point where we want accountants doing this as a self-service. And 
you know, that's uh, that's an important goal for us. And I think this is where me being you know, from the profession and, and the industry, you know, we want to see accountants managing, configuring bots in addition to strategy and analytics. You know, right now we have IT setting up new chart of accounts for us uh, because we don't understand our you know, system ecosystem enough. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're and along. When you with say I, we, you mean like we accountants in general in their own companies, not we as in Gapify. Exactly. So okay. if you're at a large company, um, say Fortune 500 company, and you want to create a new department, an accounting manager sometimes, and, and certain organizations, a lot of organizations, I should say, can't do that on their own because it, they don't know the impact of what that department addition will do to other systems. And my argument is that we accountants should learn how to do that. And we should be the one doing that. We shouldn't let IT mm-hmm. do these types of things because we have to understand the environment ourselves to know how the numbers flow through. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And when you have to wait for IT to create that chart of account, you know, that or that new account, that can take a long time. We just don't have time for that. Exactly. And I don't think they want to do it either, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's mutually beneficial for everyone. Are you able to show us, Jotham? We'd love to see what it looks like. Yeah, I'll just show some examples here. These types of conversations are always fun for me. I don't get to do this much. As a startup founder, they're, they're cracking the whip on me. And <laughs> this is so, for me. Oh, so while you're loading up that demo, can I ask you just some uh, metrics? Have you guys raised uh, VC money? We have not raised institutional an institutional round. We're working with Morgan Stanley on that right now. Uh, but we have raised three pre-seed rounds. Uh, so we have about 30 plus angel investors. Mm-hmm. Really proud that two thirds of those investors are in the profession. So they understand the problems that we're trying to solve. And so we're really trying to rally the community around what we're doing. Um, Do you disclose how much you've raised so far? Um, I believe it is public. I yeah, I should probably pause and <laughs> this is a moment where I should probably ask counsel um, whether that's okay. But it might, if, it, if it's public, it's definitely on Crunchbase. All right, I'm looking it up now. How many employees do you have? Less than 20. And where is everybody located? Most are located in Manila. So that's where we have our engineering, QA, customer support team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have our management team, and we plan on growing uh, here in New York, which is where I'm at right now. Your data or your 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 bot, where does where does Alan live? In the cloud, um, <laughs> AWS specifically. Um, in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah, Oregon okay. specifically. Got it. So client data is. Are you on AWS? Or are you are you? Do you share? Okay, got it. Yep. Same as us, right? Everybody. It feels like everybody's on AWS these days. So in, and I was going to ask this before, and I tried to find it. So you're part of the, the AICPA has an incubator, and then you're part of Morgan Stanley's incubator as well. Can you kind of explain like what those two processes are, what you're getting out of those as a startup, like what the differences are? A lot on both fronts. Okay. I think one of the toughest things about running a startup is you know, you're competing with so many you know, talented companies out there with far more capital than, than we have. Uh, so any chance we can get you know, to work with, the profession, i.e. the AICPA and CPA.com and Morgan Stanley, it's it's just been incredible. So I actually just got off a call uh, with the AICPA before this one. Um, they helped you know, give me feedback on our upcoming pitch deck for our first institutional round. You know, Just to get industry leaders to weigh in and give us advice. I haven't raised money, institutional money, before in my career, so I don't know, you know about that process. Um, and then Morgan Stanley has actually kind of opened up my eyes as far as we're, we're great with numbers. Obviously, I'm an accountant. 
but we suck at storytelling and storytelling is an important part to pitching. Um, so yeah, they've it's been really, arguably the most important part. It is. It is. So mm-hmm. I've had my priorities all wrong all this time. So everything yeah, we're getting with that. Much less important to have a product that works than to be able to tell a convincing story. Unfortunately, right? That the accountant in me does not like that. Right. And I see these startups raising money all the time with, you know, just an idea and a hope and a dream. And, you know, here we are creating something that's actually that actually works and creates value for people today and makes money today. Oh, you <laughs> are striking a strong emotional core. <laughs> This yeah. is why accountants become accountants and they don't become novelists, right? Yep. Or, 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 fundamental. or fundraisers. Yep. Or fundraisers. Yeah. So, um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, if you want to go ahead and do your uh, sharing, share your screen. All right. Uh, so just to tee it up. So this is an example uh, that we're actually working with a, a pretty notable company on right now. Uh, so they're looking to use Allen uh, to manage their fixed assets. Uh, so if you're a large company like they are, uh, they actually have dedicated people uh, that at the end of each month, they send emails to uh, people that own assets, new assets. Uh, so in accounting, you can't start depreciating an asset until it's in service, right? So what you have are records like this. Uh, so this is a fixed asset record in that suite in our internal environment. And this is a test environment, so there's no you know, confidential data here. And and because this is going to go on the podcast, you know, I'm just going to describe what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing a screen in Oracle NetSuite in the fixed assets register. Looks like it's a Dell computer of some sort or a server of some sort. We've got the original cost, all that, all the uh, information, you know, uh, residual value, accounting methods, straight line, asset lifetime, 36, everything we need to do the depreciation, right? Except the confirmation from the owner of that asset that it's ready to depreciate. And and by owner, you mean whoever in the enterprise is responsible for it? Exactly. So if you, Blake, were responsible for that asset, accounting would need to reach out to you and ask you, are you using this expensive laptop right now? Okay, got it. And so in today's world, you have teams again that send emails manually to you and say, hey, Blake, are you using this laptop yet? And if you're not, do it again next month. I think that times however many assets there are for, for larger companies, and all, all of a sudden you have you know, a task that you're spending 10 to 20 hours on each month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a perfect candidate where Alan can come in. Uh, so this is, again, rules-based. So Alan can you know, detect this transaction uh, because he's a user in the system. And in this particular example, we see that depreciation start and end dates are blank. Right. No one has confirmed it yet. And Jotham, when you say he can see that, right? Is it because you're making API calls into Oracle next week or are you just screen scraping? This is API calls. So that's actually how we're different from RPA solutions. That's a great point. So every 15 and 30, 15 to 30 minutes, Alan will say, oh, hey, uh, this one's blank and it's the end of the month. Why don't we send an email to Blake? And this is what an example of that email will look like. Uh, we work, obviously, with our customers to figure out the right presentation for these emails. Uh, but the whole point is to allow Blake to click on this web-based link. So I got an email. It said, please confirm uh, if this asset is, is in use. You clicked on the link. Now we're on a web form that has the asset name, serial number, supplier, purchase date, and cost. And there's in-service date is blank, and it's highlighted. And that's what you have to complete. So. Got it. 
So the instructions say, if your asset is now in use, please enter the date you began using your asset. And if it's still inactive, please leave this field blank. So you just filled it in with uh, May 31st. Yep. I'll and now submit. you're going to click submit. Okay, cool. And we do use a connector called Saligo, which um, a lot a lot of folks in our industry are familiar with. Um, but you know, instead of us maintaining APIs with NetSuite and hundreds of other applications, uh, we use a third party specialized in that area to uh, to connect into those systems. So, so you are programming specific use cases of Saligo to do this type of automation for accountants. So the automation happens on our side of the platform. Saligo just comes in to allow us the, to. They call the hooks, the hooks and all that. Uh, got it. Okay. Exactly. So all the logic is, all of Alan's logic is within the Gapify um, system. So now we see a message that says, thank you for confirming. I've notified the accounting team of your submission. So in about five minutes or when I hit refresh here, and again, this is a very simple example. It gets a little bit more complicated. You can do different types of translations and conversions, uh, but that, that might be too detailed. But if I click refresh, and this happens automatically, by the way, I just ran it. I triggered it manually right now uh, because we don't want to wait 15 minutes for that. Yeah, it's, it's the, the life of API calls, right? And sometimes the, there's a little bit of a delay there for the accounting system to get the data and, and the dates appear. So we're, yeah, we're back in NetSuite looking at that fixed asset and I can see depreciation start date is now May 31st. End date is now May 30th of 2022. And this is the first step in fixed asset management. So there are additional steps that we orchestrate because of the start point. Uh, so for this particular customer, what we're going to do also is at the end of the quarter, confirm with you, Blake, if you still have that asset and that you haven't trashed it or lost it. So what happens if I don't click the link in the email? Uh, Alan can send reminders. So, you know, just yeah. standard reminder functionality. Um, we can set how many reminders uh, accountants want to do. Mm -hmm. Do you want to build a functionality that will shoot lasers at you uh, <laughs> to remind you to complete your forms? But that's some, something that's still in the works. Got it. So, that, so I can see this being super useful in an organization where you've got, well, just look at laptops, right? Everybody's got one and you have to confirm that they are using it and they're not. And when they stop, I mean, yeah, this could be a lot of work. It is. And, you know, again, this goes back to the point of, you know, you have people that are going to school to be accountants and in some cases, CPAs yep. uh, doing this type of mechanical work. And it drives me nuts. I, so accountants should be looking into the new lease guidance, for example. I forget mm -hmm. the name of ASU, but you know, that's more value add work for accounting, not this mechanical emailing, you know, data entry stuff. So can you show a little bit about, um, so this is kind of the end user example of how, how it kind of works, but kind of a little bit uh, under the hood, like where, where I think right now, basically your team is configuring your tools, but your dream is to have an accountant off the shelf, go to Gapify and configure these tools themselves. Could you kind of show some of those? Obviously it's secretive, maybe not so secretive, but show kind of a, how, 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 what some of those tools look like and um, how you configure them. Yeah. So it's configurable in our backend and we've coded, We've coded it such that people like myself, the UI is very messy right now, so I, it won't even make sense if I show it to you. Okay. But it's designed for people like myself to be able to turn on and off different switches to make what you saw happen. You know, we have to clean that up, obviously, before we uh, give accountants the access to do that. Uh, but that's something we're working very quickly on because we really want to get to the point where 
we don't have to do it for our customers. Customers can do it on their own. And right now we do this as a free full service for them when they subscribe to Gapify Allen. Um, obviously from a cost standpoint, it's you know, not going to be scalable in the long run. So who is uh, ideal for Gapify? What kind of companies are you working with and you know, who should be reaching out? Yeah, so um, we say any company with more than 1,000 employees, uh, usually you have about 10 to 20. You have a team of 10 to 20 accounts at that point, maybe mm-hmm. even more. Um, so teams that do high-volume repetitive work, you know, great candidates for, for Gapify Allen. And obviously, as you go up market, the value proposition grows. And what accounting systems, ERPs, do you work with that you support? Because I imagine they have to have those APIs in order for you to do any of this, right? Yeah, so whatever um, ERP systems that Stiligo works with, we can integrate with, uh, even if they're not in their standard marketplace. Um, you know, we have a great partnership with them and or larger systems like like older versions of PeopleSoft even, you know, there's a way for us to connect into it. Got it. Okay, and Stiligo, basically, they, they build all these integrations so you don't have to worry about it. That makes so much sense. We want to the legal is like uh, an enterprise level version of like a Zapier or, well, they just provide the API. They don't provide the automation, right? Right. So, so they're really like a soft or yeah, uh, along those lines. Got, Got it. it. So, you know, so what, what can a company expect to pay uh, for, for Alan? Yeah. Do they pay by the automation workflow? Is it just all in one, all you can eat? Like, how do you do it? Yeah, so we sit down with our customers to figure out what pain point they want to resolve. Uh, typically, the pricing is $8,500 per year per bot. It's an annual subscription. Uh, so our vendor onboarding one, I, that's what we would specify as the list price uh, for fixed asset management. So for you know, depending on your volume, uh, what you saw here could either be $8,500 or you know, we definitely want to go into a situation where fast-growing companies can, like we can grow with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if you're a smaller volume, we are you know, flexible and providing some kind of introductory pricing. Do you um, find challenges with customization? And what I mean by that is most Fortune 500 companies probably have to track their laptop hardware, right? This example. But I imagine every single one of them have gone in and added custom fields to NetSuite or does that just become a nightmare as you try to scale this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a nightmare today. And, you know, obviously we have to be flexible. We're, we're the startup here and we're, we're you know, very grateful for any opportunity to, to sell into a large organization. So, um, you know, we do have customers who have really extensive customization requirements. Um, we work with them uh, to, to make sure they, you know, we meet their, or we can meet the requirements. Obviously, as we grow, we have to standardize the implementations and you know, limit the amount of customizations. Uh, but for now, uh, given where we're at as a company, uh, you know, it, it definitely uh, is a, a resource suck when you have to customize specific to an environment, specific to very um, rare use cases. Uh, but, you know, we've been flexible with that historically. But, you know, that's the beauty of being in the mid-market space or in the enterprise is that because companies are willing to pay an annual subscription starting at, what did you say, 80, 8,500, something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh it's doable, right? You can offer this really hands-on customized setup and support, which you could never do in the world of QuickBooks Online, where it has to be self-service, right? And that's why Soligo and Zapier, for instance, are so different, where people are building their own zaps, 
Soligo is more of a platform for companies like Gapify to build the connections or build the automation for our customers. And that's the problem I think right now in general, if I think about our listeners, right, or accountants uh, or bookkeepers that are kind of getting good at Zapier. If they build some custom automation workflow on top of Zapier for client A, it's almost impossible to move that with that. You can take notes and remember everything you did, and then you can recreate that for client B, but you can't, you can't just replicate you can't scale it, over it over and over. You can't scale it. It, it just doesn't, it's just, no. Zapier's just not set up that way. But if I'm hearing this correctly, once somebody builds this workflow for um, hardware tracking, in theory, off the shelf, I could pull it down, use it, and just tweak it a little bit. If hey, I uh, for my work. Jotham, we have a question from a viewer. Tate Henshaw asks, how is the initiative coming where you guys build a bot to pass the CPA exam? Yeah, so, so we actually, we believe we can do it, but it was not the right message. So I'm going to come on this show and, and admit that that's not consistent with where we want to take this, this company. Uh, so I think just like a lot of startups, we want to do the most exotic, take on the biggest moonshot projects. And that's how we felt at that particular time. Um, you know, we, again, believe we have built the foundation to be able to do that. But our, our greater concern right now is just uh, providing automation that works today mm -hmm. that we can build off of tomorrow. Uh, and it's not to look acceptable to the Silicon Valley VCs. And, you know, I, I would have to admit earlier on, uh, we wanted to fit in. I just, you know, like most people. Uh, so, you know, I will say right now we have abandoned that, that effort. It's not important to us. What's more important to us is getting accountants away from manual spreadsheet work. Yeah. And that makes it, it's the, it's a very sexy story. Like, uh, but what do any of us get if you, if there's a bot that can pass the CPA exam, but everybody wins if there's one less person that has to be stuck in a spreadsheet tomorrow. What I love about what you've shown us, Jotham, and, and I now understand, you know, thank you for coming on the show and, and, and showing us Scapify and what Alan can do, because I now understand it so much better. And what I love about it, is that you are using technology available today to create value from process automation in a simple way. I mean, I know it's complicated behind the scenes, right? But you're not saying that we are using machine learning algorithms and artificial intelligence, which, you know, unfortunately in the startup world is, you know, become kind of a, just a marketing tool, right? And, and very few people are actually doing it in a way that creates value. And this is something that a company can implement today and see value from and time savings from. And I'm sure you will be looking to add in those AI components as, as they become more sophisticated and can really help. Yeah. Well, I, I really see this as the required stepping stone to get into mm -hmm. AI, because if this work is being done manually right now, we don't have data consistency across multiple systems, even within um, individual customer accounts. So I'd like to use the example of you know, when you uh, process an invoice, one AP accountant can say, today's date is the invoice date. And then another AP accountant can say, well, it's a date on the invoice. Like, you don't even have consistency in that process. So how can you possibly generate or have enough data mm -hmm. to support the AI and the learning that's required? Uh, so you know, yep. we think automation is the first step. Yeah. And it's the same thing here at Flowcast. Um, you know, we have a, a, our latest product is a matching engine that helps automate reconciliations. And we are using a form of artificial intelligence. You can call it that, right? Of, of It's like nested if-then statements, though, when you actually get down to it. It's really quite simple, but it acts intelligently. 
And we didn't even have to use any complicated machine learning to match 80% of transactions automatically. You can do it with very simple uh, rule sets. And I, I'd like to think, Blake, that that's actually better for, for our companies because we work with accountants where trust is very important to us. I can't trust fancy AI to do my work correctly. I would rather know how, you know, the how it's working. It's working. Yeah. Right. And so, that, yeah, that's the problem with machine learning and the, the whole, you know, quote unquote, black box of AI is we don't know. We really don't know how it's coming to its conclusions. I would not feel comfortable signing off on financial statements where a big portion of my financials were driven by AI that I don't understand. That's a great point. So, Jotham, do you predict that, that companies will start to stop customizing much and kind of standardize? And where I'm coming from that, if I remember back in decade plus ago and into it, um, Oracle went at buying them. There's a company that was out there. So this is pre-cloud, um, Siebel Systems, mm-hmm. right? And Intuit was using Siebel Systems. And apparently it got to a point where Intuit customized it so much, they weren't able to take on any new upgrades. And I think Intuit may, is using Salesforce now, and blah, blah, blah. It's all cloud. But like, the, I mean, ultimately Intuit was selling some products and they had salespeople. It's like, how much customization does each company really need? I think companies can convince themselves that they're special, and they, they think they have these needs that maybe is the same across the board. But it's as your accounting departments shift towards more automation, are they going to have to just like give up? They start pushing back, like unless there's true value being presented by this extra custom field, like we don't want it because it breaks automation, slows automation down, makes our systems incompatible with other systems, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. So I think there has to be a very thoughtful process to evaluate customization requests. And you know, we as a software providers, shouldn't be taking the charge you know, on that. It should be the internal accounting teams that you know have some kind of decision tree to say, hey, this type of customization doesn't happen that much. You know, let's not move forward with it because in the long run, it'll just it will just waste more money maintaining it. Um, you know, unfortunately that's more of kind of like a manual discipline that you have to instill upon yourself. You can't automate that or maybe you can't automate that logic. You got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, Jotham, before we go, do you want to stop sharing? I just realized you're still sharing your screen. My apologies. No worries. No worries. Um, Yeah. So, uh, well, David, one of the great things about cloud ERP systems and cloud accounting in general is that it basically the, the, the way it's set up, the vendors can't allow for a lot of customization because then it becomes impossible to do upgrade cycles at the frequency that you need across your entire user base and just roll stuff out, right? So like if you're on NetSuite, yes, you can add custom fields and do some other, you know, customization. They're not really customizations, they're more configurations, right? It's configuration versus customization. You're not going to be able to like completely customize NetSuite ever. Well, you could run NetSuite suite scripts and we do have a lot of customers that like to take advantage of that to take customizations further. Uh, but I agree. I mean, you should just work within the framework of your configuration and, I should say, like, you can't, like, customize the database, right? That's what, that's what really screws up a lot of upgrades yep, yep. In, in ERP. Um, well, great. So, David, do you have any other questions? If not, I'd love uh, Jotham uh, to share how the people can find out about Gapify and get in touch. And yeah, I think I just I think I saw – it was another article, but I think I saw you just send a tweet today, Blake, about, like, accountants aren't going to be replaced by AI. They're going to be replaced by accountants that – Know how to, know how use, to AI. use AI. Yeah. Is that the tweet? That's how I started my career in accounting was like building my own practice that was use, using uh, cloud tools to just be more efficient. 
the good news is that like we don't have enough people becoming accountants, even with the increase in people getting accounting degrees, there's just not enough like CPAs and CMAs and whatnot. So if you're the sort of person who like can leverage technology, like what Jotham is, what you're building at Gabify, then you're going to be fine. At least that's my, my hope. 100% agree with that. Yeah. Somebody's got to run the robots. <laughs> and we'll just pop in and see if there's any uh, last last chances at questions. Anybody that's watching, if you have one, type that in. But if um, while you're doing that, um, yeah, we'd love to find out, like, if, if I, I'm a controller of a uh, Fortune 500 firm, how do I get Gapify? Yeah, so Gapify.com obviously is one place, and we do have demo forms uh, if you go to our website. Um, but I, I like to work within the community. I like to keep myself open to everyone. I mean, we have absolutely nothing to hide. I love hearing stories out there about how um, organizations are trying to improve their automation environments. Uh, so, you know, whether it's interest in our um, bot or just, you know, if you're talking about process or trends, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email is Jotham, uh, J-O-T-H-A-M at gapify.com. So that's G-A-P-P-I-F-Y.com. And where are you going to be this summer? Are you hitting any accounting conferences? Great question. So I'm going to be at the AICPA Engage uh, because, as you noted earlier, we're a cohort of the AICPA and CPA.com program. Uh, so we're actually unveiling our, our new marketing campaign called V2 Accountant. Uh, so I'll just kind of give you the quick like cliff note version. Uh, we're going to ask accountants to take a pledge to become better than spreadsheets and you know, hopefully through people expressing that openly and in numbers, you know, hopefully it just you know, generate some kind of a movement to, to get our, our profession there. I love it. It's I'll take the, the pledge. Excel marketing campaign. I'm sure Microsoft's <laughs> going to love you. I suck at marketing. I'm an accountant, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. <laughs> maybe you and I, I'll be engaged as well. So maybe we can meet up and uh, I can share some of my marketing tips I've learned over the last few years. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, we are not experts. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks for coming on. There's no more questions coming in. Um, I do, do appreciate this, uh, taking some time. I know it's, you're not the perfect match for, you know, the cloud accountant user base. Like we don't have a lot of fortune 500 people, uh, listening to our podcast and tuning in, but I think the lessons and the, the process you're going through with fortune 500 firms and these big, huge, uh, products is the same thing. And it comes down market to, the QuickBooks and Zeros and Sages of the world, for sure. Great. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Thanks, Jotham. All right, guys. See you soon. Up, All right. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.